to Battle Red Radio. I'm Matt Weston, and this evening I'm joined by Jeff Bedoden, uh, who's the co-host of Believe in the Chiefs podcast with former Kansas City offensive lineman Joe Valerio. How are you doing tonight, Jeff? Doing well. Thanks so much for having me, Matt. Yeah, I'm excited. This is the eve before my favorite sports week in the year, which is the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. And so the Texans are playing the Chiefs this Sunday at 235 in Arrowhead Stadium, which is a rematch of a game they played earlier this year in Week 6, a game the Texans won 31-24. And I don't know if it's a revenge game because there's so many players for Kansas City that didn't play in that game compared to you know Hugh Houston had as well too. Uh, I guess starting off with that game, is there anything at all from that Week 6 matchup you think is really meaningful for this game? Because I know the Chiefs are missing Frank Clark and Chris Jones and Anthony Hitchens and Patrick Mahomes is dealing with the ankle injury. And there's turnovers, and the Texans use this new zone read or read option passing offense that hasn't really worked in like you know six weeks or so since then. <laughs> uh, so from that week six matchup, is there a lot we can take from that for this divisional round matchup that I guess is like you know eleven weeks or so later? It's about three months ago. You know, I still think there's some things that you can glean from that. And in addition to the injuries you mentioned, uh, Sammy Watkins, the wide receiver, did not play. Eric Fisher, their starting left tackle, who's going to be key for this playoff game, uh, was not there. I, I still think there's things you can glean that I think a big factor, it's, it's going to c- uh, come down to the running game. The Chiefs have obviously been better at defending that. Uh, toward the end of the season when their uh, defense has really stepped up. But I think that's going to determine the game. The Texans dominated time of possession in that game had almost 200 yards rushing in almost 40 minutes of the 60-minute clock. So if Carlos Hyde has a big game, um, you know, that really works in the Texans' favor. So I, I think uh, I think there, there is something there. We can't totally ignore that game. I think a lot of Chiefs fans have been pretty confident because of the injuries. Uh and the guys that missed that game, but still some, uh, that running game is, is very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's been like that for the chiefs throughout the, for, I guess like the last three years or so, um, as a way to, as a kind of formula to beat them. And I guess the idea for the show is we're going to talk about the chiefs specifically and kind of veer off the path here and there to talk about how it intersects with this matchup specifically on Sunday too. So we'll start the chiefs offense last year. They were an all time great offense this year. They're like the third best offense in the league behind Baltimore and San Francisco. They last season they had an offensive DVOA thirty four point two percent. They averaged six point eight yards of play and they scored thirty five point three points a game. This year their offensive DVOA was twenty two point seven percent. They averaged six point two yards of play and they scored twenty eight point two twenty eight point two points a game. So what's the biggest difference between two thousand eighteen and two thousand nineteen, where they went from an all time great offense to you know a top five offense this year? Is this just as simple as Patrick Mahomes missed time with the ankle injury? Uh, what's, or is there more to that than just simple regression and injuries and those sorts of things? 
the Mahomes injuries, both the ankle and his knee, that is a factor for sure. Not only the missed time, but his timing being a little off, his mechanics being a little off. Uh, but there's more than that, too. Uh, the running game has been, they've been shuffling guys. It's tr- been like a real carousel there between the injuries and the, and, uh, the Chiefs just trying new guys. They've gone through several players there. And it's, it hasn't been as good last year. Uh, people forget that they had... Kareem Hunt for much of the regular season last year, who's really a, only a very good back, but a very good fit uh, for Andy Reid's system. Uh, so that's one thing. Uh, the, a couple other factors, too, is the um, their edge blockers are on the offensive line. Uh, Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz remain very good. Uh, their interior blockers aren't quite as good. They're a little bit vulnerable there, which can make for issues. And the, um, another factor, too, uh, is that the Chiefs, they actually, I think they found a better uh, kind of model if they're a little bit more methodical uh, down the field or opposed to the quick strikes. It's kind of like the old Chad, uh, excuse me, old Chip Kelly teams with Oregon. They were so explosive, scored so quickly, but it kind of strained the defense. Um, and lastly, they, there are some red zone uh, goal line issues, which I think go back to the interior line issues and also those running back issues the Chiefs have had this year, but still a really good offense. Yeah, and that's what's kind of the weird thing, too. It's like, well, it's not the same old Chiefs offense, but it pretty much is. They're just like numerically one the big difference between last year and this year is, like you mentioned, the red zone offense. So last year, the red zone touchdown rate was 71.8%, which was second. Um, The Steelers were first at like 73%. I think the Steelers' red zone touchdown rate dropped all the way down to like 23% this year. And it just goes to show that red zone offensive touchdown rate just kind of won those high variant mm-hmm. stats that varies year to year. I think the times right now are like 73%. And that's a kind of like an issue moving forward, depending on what they want to do with Tannehill and that sort of thing too. But this year, Kansas City's red zone touchdown rate is 54%, which is 20th. Uh, also, Mahomes' passing offense DVO in the red zone is negative 15.9%, which is 26 and is this just a case of their run blocking's bad and they they struggle to run the ball in the interior? Or is this the fact that they don't have a really good go up and get receiver aside from Kelsey? Or is this also a case where like their route combinations don't work as well in a constricted space? Like what's the football reason why their red zone offense has struggled this year? Yeah, I don't think it's uh, any receiving issues. I think it's what we talked about with the running game. And, you know, Kelsey can go up and get it. Uh, Tyreek Hill, though he's a small guy, you know, like 5'9", five, 5'10", five, he can actually go up and get it, as he did in the previous Texans game where he mm-hmm. it wasn't in the red zone, but it was a touchdown where he leapt over, uh, or not leapt over, but he kind of grabbed the ball at the highest point, beat the defender to it. Um, it's just like how you said how the Titans are so good in the red zone. You know, they have a, the, the rushing champion, Derrick Henry. The Chiefs, uh, that that's where the running game has been a factor. And when they get to the... Uh, red zone, or excuse me, goal line, the success they've had, oftentimes it's been uh, creative packages by Andy Reid. He brought in Travis Kelsey as quarterback, and he played quarterback in high school. It's like a wildcat quarterback. They scored off that. So it's really when you get to that part of the field and the space is more constricted, that's where you have to really count on the running game or have more of a threat. And I really think uh, that's been uh, the reason for you know, those struggles. And again, we say struggles. The Chiefs have had a really great year with a great offense. But that's, I think, the reason why most people think uh, they've had relative struggles. Yeah, and why their offense has dropped off as a whole. Where it's, part of it is just kind of like something that doesn't really 
they don't have that much of a control over in kind of a weird way. Um, and then again, I just want to reiterate, this is still a really great offense too. It has been throughout <laughs> right. this season. And I think one, I think going back to their red zone struggles and we can talk about the interior, of their offensive line, the run game real fast too, is they don't, they run like a, their run game is good whenever you see like three guys in the box and that's you know a little bit of a hyperbole, but whenever they're, they go up against teams in dime and nickel sets where there's five defenders or six defenders, but this one, six defenders shade over to Kelsey because he's tied to the line of scrimmage. That's whenever their run game works because they have to block three guys in order to you know, pick up six yards and that sort of thing. But whenever the box is low and they go heavy, they really struggle. Those yard, those plays, they typically get you know two or three yards. I think the biggest problem they have is even at the tackle position, but throughout their offensive line, they don't create a lot of movement on the line of scrimmage. And they like to run power plays. They like to run gap scheme plays where you have to have your first double team you know, create a dent in the line of scrimmage to be able to create space for your pullers and that sort of thing. And I don't really see it all that much this year. And a lot of problem, like you mentioned, is the interior, where their interior is Austin Ryder at center. Their uh, right guard is Lauren Devarney Tardif. And their left guard now is Stefan Wisniewski. Uh, I think Wisniewski, if I'm saying that correctly, I know he played for the Eagles when they won the Super Bowl, but I think he's actually made an impact in their run game some because he's at least strong enough and more of a brute to move that first level. He's not a very good second level blocker, but you really, they just need somebody who can just have that strength at the first level. I think he's he's done that as well too. Uh, do you think that's an accurate assessment of their interior blocking so far this, or I guess as of late? You know, that's a great point, uh, Matt. That um, first of all, Wisniewski was not with the team at the beginning of the year. He had, they just signed him because of injuries, but he, he so he that's why he ended up playing, and he's made a nice contribution um, and has been a factor. And to your earlier point. Yeah, that you know the Chiefs, their offense is so good. They don't need like a, a great running game. They just need some, you know, to make the defenses uh, pay for playing the pass, like you said. So, um, and it, yes, the interior has been where they can be a little bit susceptible. You know, he got hurt last year, but uh, Mitch Morse was with the team. You guys mm-hmm. saw him last week, the center for the Bills, a very good center, and they lost him again. He. He missed much of last season uh, with injury, but they haven't really uh, adequately replaced him. And even before that, uh, they had Rodney Hudson, who was a great center, now a pro bowler for the Raiders. So, you know, just that that interior, it's hard to keep shuffling in new centers and be just is uh, successful. So that is an issue. Yeah, and it's kind of fun at Chiefs, too, because it seems like every year they always replace someone on the interior of their offensive line, and they always just make the next guy up really good. Uh, I was really excited for Martinez Rankin to play there this year. Uh, you know, he was a former Texans third round pick. Who mm-hmm. I wanted to play tackle. They tried to play him at left. It didn't work. He never really got shot at guard at all. Yeah, I think he started two games in Houston at guard, and he played I think two games in Kansas City before getting hurt. And so they, I think their interior is better with with, with Snuiski now. At least they're getting some push. But like you mentioned, the running game is just a compliment for them. It's mm-hmm. more okay, okay. We come to the line. You count. Mahomes says. I mean, Mahomes like counts five guys. Like, okay, well, I have four versus two on this side line of scrimmage. Let's just run a dive play right here, and they get seven yards. But then it's not a good enough run game whenever the space is constricted inside the twenty yard line to be able to like go get that yard they have to have, or go get the three yards they have to have, and that sort of thing. Uh, totally. Now there is the last couple games. Uh, Damian Williams has been back. Uh, he had the eighty-four yard run against. Uh, the Chargers, and he also looked good 
uh, against the the Bears, averaging a good defense there and averaging more than four yards a carry. So they are ho- hopeful, optimistic that with him back, he'll um, he'll do well. And he's also a good receiver in the back ba- out of the backfield. What's also interesting is Lashawn McCoy sh- still showed that he had some wiggle left. They've been just resting him a healthy scratch. Um, Andy Reid keeps saying is for you know it's for the playoff season. So I'm curious if if that makes. Uh, what what kind of role he plays going forward? Uh, but yes, perhaps that some running game issues, but also some points for optimism with the way that Damian Williams uh, has played since coming back from his hip injury. Mm-hmm. How many games did he play? Like, was this an injury he had throughout the year? Because I know he started the year starting, he kind of disappeared. I know a lot of people play fantasy football, kind of just you know, saw him disappear from the roster throughout the year and pop back up week 17. Was this a nagging injury he had throughout the season, or is this something that you know, happened midway through? He had two different injuries. The hip happened uh, later in the year. I believe it was in Mexico City after that that game. Um, and then he had like an, another injury early in the year. And it's just it's not just Damian Williams, not only – uh, so the running games have been interesting. They've gone through so many guys. Um, they had Daryl, another Williams, Daryl Williams, who hurt his leg, and he's he's not back. They've had Darwin Thompson, who's a rookie, struggles a little bit in pass protection, but has uh, really wowed during the, the preseason. There's McCoy, who really started out the season doing really well, had some fumbling issues, and then they said they were kind of a uh, – healthy scratch. And then he actually toward the end of the season, Spencer Ware um, was, was starting a late season pickup. They really liked his pass protection. Um, and now he's out for the year. So it's mm-hmm. really been a, a rotating group of, of running backs here. Yeah. I'm kind of sitting here waiting for whenever Niles Davis joins Kansas city again <laughs> and all those you other guys remember him from the, that playoff game. I'm sure that he, that was his, his moment there, that, that kickoff return. Yeah. They've just been, they've had so many running backs come in and out there and you know, they had high and seemed like that was going to be the guy for a long time. And then everything happened with that. And then I've, I, I felt like Damian Williams was that sort of back who could replace him and be the number one running back there consistently until he signs some most in free agent. Cause you, they, they don't really pay running backs a lot of money. And, you know, with the injuries and everything else. But, I mean, every running back they've used this year has had an inefficient season, whether it's Daryl Williams or McCoy or Ware or Thompson. Um, all of them have just kind of had inefficient seasons. They all average, you know, somewhere a little bit less than four yards of carry. They all have negative DVOAs. Even the passing game, they all have negative DVOAs, and which is really surprising from a Chiefs offense that is so good at creating open short passes where guys can just take off and run forever. So has this been more of a back problem or just a blocking problem with the offensive line? And are we is it expected for Damian Williams to be the number one running back? throughout the game on Sunday, or is it going to be, you know, a 50-50 split between him and LaShawn McCoy? Um, you know, I, I think it's, it's both to what, you know, the problem, and again, we're saying relative problem because, yes, the running game hasn't been good, but the offense has been so good. It's, it's you know, we're really looking for, you know, it's, it's, it's like uh, we're really looking for, for problems on what's mm-hmm. a very effective unit. Um but it's been both, I think, that interior uh, issues and, and, again, the rotating crop running back, and, and nobody has been a true star. But that said, I expect Damian Williams to be the guy. He's had two really good games, again, that 84-yard run um, in the, the last time he played. Uh, and then he almost had 100 total yards against uh, the Bears the week prior. He had over four yards of carry. So I expect him to be the guy – and the question is how much we see of 
LaShawn McCoy, who's again hasn't who's who's like actually a healthy scratch in that uh, last game, and to see if maybe it's just he's an older guy in his 30s, and maybe Andy Reid just wanted to give him rest. But I expect uh, Williams to be the main guy uh, in this playoff game against the Texans. Yeah, I'd expect so too. And it was just weird whenever the season started where you think Williams is the better guy, you know, kind of by default. And then McCoy was getting so many carries. It just seemed mm-hmm. like a weird thing. It just Andy Reid loves LaShawn and, you know, wanted to help him out or something. It was kind of a weird thing. It was like leg of friend sleep on the couch and like <laughs> offer, offer a hand in need in that situation. Um, but the reason why I wanted to talk about the run game was just because of the impact it makes on the in the red zone. Because I really don't see Houston being able to stop Kansas City at all whatsoever. Whenever they have the ball from the zero yard line all the way up to the nine, all the way up to the Texans ten yard line, right. just because right. of how bad the Texans' uh, passing defense is. They're thirtieth in DVOA against the short pass. They're third in DVOA against the deep pass. They like to just keep one safety deep and like to play their cornerbacks off to prevent deep passes and then hope you know they get some big plays here and there or the quarterback you know has enough incompletions or the offense does something dumb and try to run the ball three times against a good run defense to create enough punts. And then they run more of a ball control offense to limit that as well too. Um, so it does make, so I think for Houston's defense to be, you know, adequate or even allow Houston to win by scoring like 29 points or 28 points or whatever. I think the red zone defense has to be good. And the problem for the Texans is that they have the 31st ring red zone defense this year by touchdown rate at 71.4%. The worst red zone defense this year was the Washington Redskins, and they have the 31st ranked third down defense of 48.5%. And so, even though the Chiefs have had red zone struggles, I really don't expect them to have red zone struggles against Houston. And I don't really have an idea about how Houston is going to stop their passing attack either. Uh, as for throughout the Chiefs season this year, has there ever been like a way their passing attack's been limited? Has a team like done anything specifically to be able to confuse Mahomes or anything? And, uh, because like right now, like looking at this game on Sunday, I just assume Kansas City will walk to the Texans' ten yard line over and over again. Well, the best defense, as you were saying, it it should be a little bit of a mismatch with the Chiefs' uh, passing offense versus the te- Texans' passing defense. One of the best defenses is kind of what they did in the previous game: just control the mm-hmm. control the ball, don't keep Mahomes off the field, as they did for almost forty minutes um, in that first game. Uh, you know, and, and there there has. The, the passing game has had um, uh, an issue here or there. And, I, again, I'm really nitpicking. This is a great offense. You could argue uh, even the best offense in the NFL. Uh, they, they've been a little bit more inaccurate. Uh, Mahomes' overall completion percentage is a bit down. Um, so, you know, there are – and, again, they can you can generate – they've uh, been more susceptible – the pressure this year he's gotten hit more which you know is why he's been a little bit more banged up we mentioned the ankle and the knee even uh again he's fine but uh banged up his uh thumb against the patriots again because they were getting more pressure so you can get pressure to him and um that's really the key the other thing there's a stat that uh man defenses have actually been a lot more effective uh than zone defenses against the chiefs attack but part of that was during the games that tyreek hill uh, missed. Now, I would still recommend that teams uh, play uh, man coverage because I think the other receivers um, struggles too strong a word, but had a little bit more difficulty with that. So maybe if there is uh, one antidote uh, to that, uh, I tell you one thing that will not stop this uh, passing offense. So is third and long. 
The Chiefs are great at that. Uh, Mahomes has completed 10 of his 11 passes uh, when they're third and 18 or longer, which is just a baffling statistic. It almost makes you think if they should ever punt. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I know it's kind of funny just because of Tyreek Hill. And I don't, I don't think there's, I've ever seen wide receiver have more of an indirect impact on offense than him, where you see him split two safeties and they both run with him and they run like a deep out underneath it and it's just an easy 12 yards. And they'll do that to get Travis Kelsey open. They'll do that to mm-hmm. get Bell open. Like everybody in this offense really just kind of is indirectly affected by Hill just running down the field without even a pass going to him. And I think that also really kind of going back to what you mentioned on third and 18, Hill, create, Hill runs downfield against you know six defenses opens up a short pass underneath or they get they're afraid of him running three yards on the field and he just sits at the first down marker and becomes a conversion and he's just such a dynamic weapon in that regard even too totally uh you're right he really is i think he's probably the second most valuable uh player at least on this offense to mahomes they also they constantly just even when they're not giving him the ball they'll fake like jet sweeps uh, to him, and so he's going behind the quarterback, and the defense always has to be aware of him. Uh, so he and it's weird. He has a combination where he's obviously he might he's probably the fastest guy in the league, but he has a weird combination that he has that sprinter speed, but he also has incredible endurance. So they'll they'll move him back and forth, you know, on these fake uh, end arounds, fake jet sweeps, and they'll move him all over the field, and he seems to never get tired. And he also in addition to all the things you mentioned of him opening up the rest of the players on the offense, he also tires out the defense because he's kind of constantly mm-hmm. in motion. Yeah, that's a great point too. And he's like a, I wish we could have that that track or whatever like that for soccer players where it says Tyreek Hill has ran, you know, 15 miles this game, whatever yeah. it is he's doing at 19 miles per hour, like for his average clip or whatever it is. Um, and I mean, I've really, like it's kind of like this week, there's been a lot of conversation on the internet about how to stop Lamar Jackson in the Ravens run defense or the Ravens run offense. And I kind of feel the same way about the Chiefs. Like how do you stop this passing offense? And you can play zone, but they're so good at recognizing zone. Like I was watching film earlier and Chicago's running Tampa too. And Sammy Watkins has an option route and he sees the linebacker run deep and he sits. And there's nine yards right there. And then they have a first down and then it starts all over again. And then also Andy Reid's so good using uh, trip formations, bunch formations to flood the zone and isolate one defender, make him make a decision through off of it. And then if you want to play man, I think man's the preferable route to play against them, but you have to have the cornerback talent to do it. Like you have to have a secondary like Baltimore has. Houston doesn't really have that this game either. And so I really don't know what option they could possibly have to limit the Chiefs passing attack in this game. From yeah, a, from a know, coverage perspective. Right. That's a, that's a good point about uh, the zone. I mean, cause zone kind of makes sense. There's such there's such they have such a great vertical game. It's like okay, well you play zone because you want to take that away, but then they'll just nickel and dime you to death. Uh, and again, the, the man defenses have been more effective against the Chiefs. Uh, I'm curious to see how you know. I always thought Bradley Roby was a pretty good corner with the Broncos. He missed a chunk of that early uh, game. He started it, but he, mm-hmm. he left the game early. Don't think he came back against the Chiefs. So I'm curious to see how he does. You know, that that might help uh, the, the Texans having him back. Yeah, and it, and like Roby is a good player, but he's not somebody who you want to be your best cornerback on, right. a, on a good pass. De- on like, uh-huh. That's really a good pass team. It's a great pass defense. Like, he's fine. You want him to be like the number two cornerback with Chris Harris and right, keep right, Tlaib right. around you. And But like every man matchup here, like even Roby against Byron Pringle scares me. 
Uh, <laughs> you know, Vernon Hargreaves against Miko Harmon's horrifying. Tyreek Hill, let alone against Roby's horrifying. And so I don't, I mean, there's not like a good man matchup. And there's a lot of conversation this week like, well, how does Houston cover Kelsey? Can they put Lonnie Johnson Jr. Jr. on him like they did in their previous matchup mm-hmm. where Johnson's able to use his size somewhat, but I think he got away with some holding penalties and that sort of thing that may not get away with in this division round game. But all the man matchups are really kind of scary. Uh, nothing really really seems very good at all for that. And I really think what they're going to do is play Justin Reed deep middle, and that way they can try to take away the deep passing game with just one safety deep. And then play man, play, just mix things up a lot underneath from there, and then have Mike Adams kind of set that strong safety and hope there's enough incompletions. Kansas City tries to run the ball enough to kind of like maybe force themselves in a punt that they should never even have taken to begin with either. Right, and hopefully get some pressure. And then, you know, one thing that could help them, uh, the weather is supposed to be very cold. Uh, it's supposed to snow, um, maybe whether it's Saturday or Sunday. It's interesting, Patrick Mahomes was actually pretty good in the snow against the Broncos and said how much he liked it. Um, so snow might not be a deterrent, but if it's cold and if it's wet, that's mm-hmm. the key. That could, that could Maybe that's the best hope to work out about how do you slow this uh passing game well maybe you literally need an act of god <laughs> the yeah, weather yeah. Something, so. yeah and like snow can be dry too so it doesn't really affect right. the ball as right. much it's just kind of like it's like it's like playing dry mud in some ways too uh so you mentioned pressure a lot let's talk about that for a little bit we talked about the chiefs offensive line they have eric fisher back there's no cam irving now and irving was i wouldn't say disastrous because the chiefs won games with them nobody got hurt with him at left tackle but he was bad at filling in for Eric Fisher. And the Texans do have J.J. Watt back. But aside from him, their pass rush has been bad. Woody Merciless is better with him just because Watt creates an actual interior pressure or his long, looping pass rushes actually have an impact. D.J. Reader hasn't really rushed a passer at all since like week seven or so. Charles Omeno, who had the forced fumble in their previous matchup, mm-hmm. and he's just kind of like an interior bull rusher who I think could have a fairly good game in this one too. Uh, so what's the best way to get pressure against the Chiefs? Is it just rushing on the interior, you know, try to single out uh, Tardif or uh, a rider. What's the best way to create pressure against the Kansas City Chiefs? Yeah, I definitely think it's about that interior. Again, those uh, the, their two tackles are really strong. Uh, Schwartz, I, I really think, should be a pro bowler. Uh, I think he was really robbed this year. Uh, and Eric Fisher's pretty good. Eric Fisher's actually interesting. He's going to go up against... Uh, J.J. Watt a bit, I'm sure. And they have kind of a connection. They have J.J. Watt started at Central Michigan before transferring to Wisconsin. Oh, cool. Uh, you know, as, as, uh, and that's where Eric uh, Fisher went. So, yeah, I think the key is just uh, is pressure uh, right up in his, in his face. Um, at least the, um, I, I think I've, kind of that's where the Chiefs are uh, most vulnerable. Yeah, and the way they tend to use Law is that he'll get the easiest matchup available to him. Last week against Buffalo in his first game back, he kind of only played passing downs in the first mm-hmm. half. So it's like third and seven that you see him come out and the crowd cheers, and then he disappears again. But the second half, he played a lot more. And they also used him on the interior a lot more in that Buffalo game than I thought they were ever going to, just because they try to save them or hits he takes, especially come back from the injury that he had the torn pectoral. So I do think in this game against Kansas City, he may not even rush that much at right tackle. He may play mm-hmm. at the in position rundowns and then move on the interior and pair him next to a who uh, maybe run some stunts and, and uh, twist mm-hmm. on the inside as well too. Just create pressure on the interior as much as possible. But against Kansas City, 
can they like to run a lot of five offensive line sets without an, an extra blocker in. They like to throw the running back out in the flat too, and those sorts of things. Can you actually blitz Kansas City and take a, and get six rushers on there and create free rushers, or are you just like spelling death and doom by doing that missing tackle and giving a plays deep? <laughs> yeah, I mean Mahomes is pretty good against the blitz. Uh, everyone talks about his physical skills, but he is uh, very smart at reading coverages and stuff too. So that that could be a recipe from disaster. But I think you also so the teams that have had some success have mixed coverages. You bring some blitzes and, you know, you, you can't just sit back and, you know, also pick it to death that way. So I do expect and think they should bring some uh, pressures and blitzes at some times. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I want to bring, or I guess the two things I want to bring up before we stop talking about the offense is one, the Chiefs have only had 15 turnovers this year. They've lost 10 fumbles. Mahomes has thrown five interceptions and that's it on their, their turnover situation the Texans forced two in their previous matchup one was the forced fumble led to a touchdown at the end of the half the other was a play where Mahomes saw, thought flag was mm-hmm. called through the end zone right. was interception there was no flag or whatever and they lost at least three points from that too now is there any rhyme or reason to the turnovers they have because I do think Mahomes usually whenever he throws interceptions because he's out of the pocket he tries to make something happen throw something up but again he's only thrown you know five this year and uh, and the fumbles loss is there one player in particular that tends to fumble? Uh, you know, in in Mahomes, it's funny. The narrative when he was coming to the NFL is that he had a great arm, but he you know is going to attempt crazy throws and he's he's going to throw too many picks. He's one of his greatest things of the many great things he does is he does not really throw interceptions. He's very he's very accurate and very uh, careful with the ball. Uh, one guy who has been a little bit susceptible. Uh, to turnover is, is again, if LaShawn McCoy uh, gets some action, he has either, I think it's three fumbles, it might just be two, uh, with not a lot of carries. So he's averaging like a fumble, I think like every 30 to 33 um, rushes. Mm-hmm. So that is a guy that, you know, turnovers were very key in that first matchup and uh, they could be again. So that is a guy who could be a little bit vulnerable to uh, to a fumble. Yeah, and he really holds the ball up there when he runs, too. He's done his entire yeah, career. Right, and always loose, very loose, all, like a pile of bread. Yeah, yeah he's bread. always been like that, and it's worked out for him and throughout his career. But I think as, as he's gotten older, he's less elusive. It uh, It's led to more fumbles, too. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, too, Matt. So the Chiefs have 21 touchdowns over 20 yards this year. They're first in the NFL. Second, for some reason, was the New York Giants with 18. I don't know how that happened, but <laughs> the Chiefs have also, like, even though the red zone issues are there, and they don't score as many touchdowns in the red zone as you'd expect, and they've dropped off in those situations. They do throw a lot of deep touchdowns, and the Texans do have a good deep pass defense. I assume they're going to play one safety deep, and I thought they would have to play two, but I guess they're going to have to play one just because of how much help they're going to need covering things short, and just also tackling, too. They have problem. Their secondary has been bad tackling throughout mm-hmm. this year, too. Um, are a lot of these deep passes just like, a guy like yards after the catch plays, for example, like Sammy Watkins week one against Jacksonville, or are these like deep heaves where Mahomes is, you know, finding Tyreek Hill 65 yards down the field or uh, Travis Kelsey 42 yards down the field? They're both. I mean, they have some absolute lethal speed with Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, and then McCall Hardman, the rookie. Mm-hmm. So it's both. They've had a lot of, like, especially against the Raiders, they were just. Um, Mahomes didn't have any pressure, and so he could just kind of just sit back and know he's got his probably a strong an arm, maybe the strongest arm in the NFL, and he a very accurate deep ball. So he can just he can launch bombs. So that's 
part of it. But then there are also cases where uh, McCall Hardman breaks a tackle, and then if he's so fast, he's going to beat everyone down the field. So they are definitely like a, a threat to score on any play and from any distance. And it can be either. It can be those deep bombs or it can be a short play with broken tackles. And because of that elite speed, if you miss one tackle – uh, on the Chiefs, you're in a lot of trouble because it's going to be hard to catch up to those receivers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and the Texans like linebackers tackle pretty well. Their defensive linemen tackle pretty well, but it's the secondary that struggles. And Devin Singletary, I think, broke eight tackles last week against right, Houston. Right. And a lot of these are against their secondary defenders. Mm-hmm. And uh, and like again, the speed even for one safety playing deep middle. If your cornerback breaks a tackle, a guy runs a slant at full speed. That's it. you know that's it a lot of those times against them. Mm-hmm. So it's not even just a deep pass since Kansas City. It's a lot of the yak as well too. Totally, totally, it's both. So defensively for Kansas City, they've only allowed 308 points this year, which is seventh. Everybody thinks is the Chiefs of just having a bad. They're just a bad defense. Is how people think of them as, which isn't true. They had a fringe top ten pass defense last year. They have a top ten pass defense this year, and since the loss since the loss to Tennessee where the Titans had a deep play-action touchdown, a blocked field goal that turned to a touchdown, and a long Derrick Henry run touchdown. They've had a negative DVOA in each of the last six games since then, except for a rating of 4.6% they had against the Chargers. They've allowed 9.85 points a game during this run, and the most points they've allowed during this run is 21 points since the Chargers in Week 17 too. So for Kansas City from the first half of the season since that Tennessee loss, what's been the biggest reason for their turnaround? Uh, there's several reasons. Just they had so many new players and a new scheme uh, coached by Steve Spagnu- excuse me, Spagnuolo, who's done a great job. So a lot of it's just adjusting all these new parts to a new system. Uh, then there were some health things. Chris Jones is probably the best defensive player, uh, and he missed some time with a groin injury. Frank, Frank Clark um, only missed a couple games, uh, two, I believe, but he, he was not – he was not right. He had a uh, kind of a neck, shoulder, nerve issue that was bothering him since uh, since preseason. So some of it is just getting uh, more healthy. A lot of it's uh, gelling. They, they've also had a couple things. You know, they were so bad against the run, uh, especially against the Texans. Uh, they br- they're now using more of Reggie Ragland, a linebacker who's very good against the run, can be a little bit susceptible in pass coverage. Derek Noddy uh, on the interior has really come into his own, a pretty young player, and helped um, stabilize the run defense too. So those are some of the factors. Um, and then a former Texan, uh, Matthew, has been really good at stabilizing the back end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I really like watching Noddy play. He's been good throughout this year. And I think one thing's important about Clark is Clark was bad to start the season. Um, lately, he's been a lot better. He's finished the season with eight sacks and 14 hits. And a lot of these have come in the last seven weeks of the season. And I think that pinch nerve is very important for him mm-hmm. because his game, he, like, he looks like a windmill whenever he runs. Like He looks like something Don Quixote you know, was attacking. <laughs> and uh, he's just very long with his arms. He likes to do a lot of swims, a lot of rips. He's a really good stunner. And whenever you don't have that full range of motion, I think it really, that's what killed his pass rush to start the season too. And as the season progressed, I think he's only gotten healthier. And that's the biggest reason for his improvement. Um, is that a fair assessment for Frank Clark? Definitely. I, you mentioned some of his skills. And, and the way, you know, pass rushing is really key to get low, to really uh, have that great bend. And he he can really get low and still keep his 
back uh, kind of parallel to the field, kind of an amazing skill. Um, yeah, that's a big part. Of, you know, again, some of it, I think, was just adjusting to a new scheme and new teammates. But it, he has publicly said that, you know, how how much better he feels now and how, how much of a difference uh, that makes in this game so I think that's the difference and certainly according to Clark that that's the difference in his game right now is just health yeah and that makes me good to hear he's a he's a very good player he's a lot of fun to watch and it's always a shame whenever somebody disappears like that um regardless you know it takes away the enjoyment of the game whenever the best players right. aren't healthy and or it's mm-hmm. you know if it's just like they're they're bad or whatever they become bad or you know that makes sense but if it's just a health thing it's a bummer um so on their pass rusher pass rush for Kansas City who typically rushes against the right tackle do they slip it do they flip it around throughout every game is it depending on the matchup or do they have one guy who's just their left defensive end who plays there for the predominant part of a game you know they they move guys around a lot too and they've actually had um a lot of uh they've had a lot of injuries to their edge guys uh both um Alex Okafor and Emmanuel Ogba both tore their pectorals. I'm sure the Texans fans are very familiar with pectoral mm-hmm. injuries, the defensive linemen at this point with JJ Watt. So they, uh, so they've, they've had a lot of guys uh, kind of in and out on, on the edge there. Um, and it, so we, we talked about Frank Clark, Terrell Suggs is now in the mix and the, anyhow, they they're move their guys around. They also bliss a lot of guys. So as far as the pass rush, the most dangerous pass rusher there more than on the edge is Chris Jones. Uh, at defensive tackle. Yeah. And how has Terrell Suggs looked so far since coming to Kansas City? I know in Arizona he was fine. He didn't look like, you know, previous Terrell Suggs, but you know, he's a he's as old as the universe itself and he's been <laughs> able to be good even going into his thirties and everything else. How has he looked better from the switch from Arizona to Kansas City? And has he enjoyed playing there too after saying he's not gonna report anywhere but Baltimore? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Um he was saying uh I was at the locker room uh, in Chicago during his uh, first game there, and somebody was saying, you know, he was saying how he's joined in this uh, great team. He's like, they don't, I'm just a small part. They've won the AFC West a couple years in a row, and then he was informed it was four years in a row. He's like, four years in a row? He's like, man, this team is is good. So he he seemed real excited to join uh, a team that's been so successful of late, and he has been good. He's he has the two games, and he's played a lot, especially just on obvious passing downs. He already has one sack, which is again in two games. That's pretty solid. And he was, um, yeah, he was generating uh, some pressure, so he has been good. Um, and again, they just their their main with with already having two really good pass rushers, Clark and Jones. He can just kind of complement it. Um, and a, another thing is. Um, Frank Clark actually, uh, for most of his uh, football career, has worn 55, which was uh, Suggs's number for many years with the Ravens. And um, so he, he's looked up to him, and he said not only just on the field, but how much just off the field and just in the f- couple weeks he's been there, how much guys are kind of picking his brain and, and how much his experience has helped. So, yeah, Suggs, Suggs has been a – a factor for uh, for the Chiefs, and you know, to lose two defensive ends and then replace them with Suggs, you know, that's a uh, not much of a drop off. Yeah, that's a very fortunate situation to be in, too. And the reason I want to mention the right tackle position is because Houston's play Chris Clark there, who's bad, mm-hmm. and they play Robert Johnson there, who's a better run blocker 
but like the pass blocking is about the same. Like Johnson gets to be in the pass game, but they tend to play Clark there more just because he's better at you know blitz schemes and knowing who to mm-hmm. block. And Houston gave up seven sacks to the Bills. They have you know all the time I had them. They have five first first and second round picks invest in their offensive line, uh, including the tensile trade too and everything else. And I think one of the things the Texans fans have quickly learned is that it takes more than left tackle to have a great pass protection. Yeah. It's since our ecosystem. It's like that. That cliche goes. It takes a fam. It takes a village to raise a child, and because their blitz schemes, because of those sorts of issues, the Texans do have trouble picking up, or they they do have trouble keeping Watson held or keeping Watson upright for an entire game. They do. They are pretty good in their one versus one matchups. Like I think if you just put put Suggs against uh, Tunsil, let him sit there and let him get neutralized and kind of like feed him to the Wolves mm. in a way, and then work on everywhere else. The offensive line, I think, is the Chiefs' best way to attack this. Pass protection, but even though they do run a four three, the Chiefs do blitz a little bit. They have mm-hmm. a below average blitz rate, but still from a four three, they blitz more than four three defenses typically do. Uh, when they do blitz, where do they where do they usually bring this pressure from? Do they bring it from the safety position? Do they blitz corners from the slot? Do they blitz linebackers like Raglan Hitchens? How do they typically create pressure when they do blitz? Uh, kind of. Everywhere and anywhere, uh, that's what Spags has been really good at, is just bringing different cre- uh, and creative kinds of pressure. Uh, you mentioned uh, secondary. They've had a lot of success with Matthew and bringing him down, but they've also brought, as you mentioned, the linebackers, uh, Ragland and Hitchens have come in. So really from everywhere and anywhere. And uh, again, a lot more. That's something they didn't do last year. Uh, when they had a three-four scheme under Bob Sutton, they're doing that. I, I know the numbers aren't aren't saying that, but when I've watched, I've seen a lot more blessing and from a lot more angles and different spots. Yeah, and that's interesting too because you know whenever you hear three-four defense, that's what you assume. A lot of blitzes mm-hmm. from a lot of places, but the Chiefs three-four with Sutton was a lot of just we have D Ford and we have Houston on the edge, and they're mm-hmm. going to win one versus one matchups and wide and create pressure. Uh, and then with Chris Jones, I know you mentioned him quite a few times. Like he's a JJ Watt level of player. Where I mean, like he's not as good as Watt. You know, Watt's a transcendent, you know, all-time great. But Chris Jones is like a JJ Watt light version of player where he's very good. You know, he's maybe like 90% of Watt, 95% of Watt. And they may even be on the same uh, podium now that, you know, Watt's like 30 years old and has has had the injuries and everything else. Mm -hmm. And so I do think Chris Jones is going to be able to have a great game against either Zach Fulton. Sharping has been fine as a rookie, but he tends to stop his feet and you can bull rush him. Nick Martin, they paid to extend. He's a former second round pick. He's a good pass blocker, but not so much one versus one against players like Chris Jones. He can be bull rush. He can be beat with quick slants and sort of things too. So I do think the Watson has to worry about his blind side, but he's going to have to worry about everything else throughout this game as far as a pressure perspective goes. Totally. And as you know, I'm really enamored with Watson's game, but he can't hold on the ball a little bit too long. Uh, and so, yeah, I expect that to be a factor. They got zero sacks on him uh, in that previous game. The Chiefs did the zero sacks on Watson. I, I don't expect that to be the case. And for some reason, if that does hold up, it's it's going to bode pretty well for the Texans. Mm-hmm. So the the Chiefs, you mentioned Tyron Matthew. He played for Houston last year. They signed him on, on a one-year prove-it deal. He decided to come here rather than other places and decided to bet on himself, and that lets him taking enormous contract with the Kansas City Chiefs last offseason. I think he, he's getting paid on an 
average per year deal of like twelve and a half million dollars. So how has he been used in Kansas City? Because I know in Houston they use him as a deep middle safety. He wasn't used in the box as much. He wasn't used as aggressively because they had Reed there. And also just with the cornerback play they had, they needed to have somebody back there who they trusted to play deep middle. Um, how have they used him and was he worth the all pro nomination that he received, you know, last week when the all pro teams came out? You know, it, it's interesting going back a little bit uh, more. It, it was even a more than 12 million. It was um, 14 million. And at the time they signed him, he it was actually the most uh, lucrative annual deal for a safety tied with Landon Collins. And I remember thinking like, I know he's a good player, but he has some injuries. Is he worth uh, that much, by the way, since then, both uh, Kevin Byard and Eddie Jackson have exceeded that uh, annual total. A- anyhow, um, uh, yes, though, he, he has been great for the Chiefs. They really credit him for the reason, one of the reasons the defense is so much better. He's He's been an all-pro. Uh, they also have been... Uh, really complimentary about how he's worked with the young guys, what he's like in the locker room, his leadership, kind of instructing guys where to go. And the Chiefs, it sounds like the Texans didn't really maybe use him to his skill set. You know, um, he is a smaller guy, though he plays bigger than he is. The Chiefs move him a lot around a lot. He's kind of a rover. He's allowed to be kind of a ball hawk. They play him at corner. They bring him a lot on blitzes. Uh, they just move him around all over the place. But he... He's played all 16 games, which is not always uh, been the case uh, in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, yes, he is deserving of uh, all pro. He's had a great year. He and Chris Jones are kind of the keys. Uh, Frank, Frank Clark obviously has had a good year too, but those are the two best players on that that Chiefs defense. Yeah, and that, that's good to hear. I mean, whatever. I didn't like watch. I didn't like Matthew that much in Houston. Because he would make a tackle for seven yards and celebrate. And then he missed a tackle on the, on the next play. And he played a lot of deep middle. And he didn't make that much of an impact. And I, don't know, the whole, I think he was frustrated in Houston because of how he was used. And there were reports were in Houston that they wanted him, but they didn't offer him as much money. And they took Gibson. I think with the roles that they play, um, Houston you know, made the right decision with how they used Matthew last year and how they used Gibson this year to not sign him. And it's uh, it's been good to see the success he's had in Kansas City. I know whenever that deal happened, I was like, well, Kansas City has all these other problems and they're paying Matthew this much. This doesn't make any sense at all to me. And uh, it's been good to see that's worked out for him. Yeah, I, I again, I was surprised too, but it really has worked out. And, and I guess it makes sense. I was thinking, why didn't the Texans resign? But, uh, you know, I think from what I've seen, it, it looks like your your safeties are are pretty – we mentioned the issues at corner and why you guys have had to sign Hargraves and Conley. But it looks like your safeties are actually pretty strong this year. It's, it's more the corners that are mm-hmm. the issue. Yeah, I mean, Justin Reed's a spectacular player. Like, he'll be a future, you know, pro bowler. Uh, consistently, uh-huh. and he makes a lot of big plays too. And uh, and Gibson was good covering tight ends and playing deep middle. He's out. He's on IR. And I think what they're going to do is play Reed deep middle because you can't give up those deep touchdowns to Kansas City. Right. If they're right. gonna if they're gonna score, let them take time off the clock. Let them take forever, and then hope their red zone offense fizzles out. And then they get three points instead of seven. Is kind of the strategy here. And they can't get beat deep at all. So I wouldn't be surprised they play two safeties deep. But it'll probably be Mike Allen's a strong safety, and then uh, and then replaying deep middle too. The other thing that happened in Kansas City recently is that second round pick Juan Thornhill uh, tore his ACL. He's on the IR now. Are, how are you expecting they get replace him? Is this gonna be Amari Watts 
Or are we going to see a uh, longtime hero, Drew Sorensen, play a bunch this this weekend? <laughs> you know, and that is a big issue. We talked about Matthew. He really uh, took Thornhill under his wing. That's one of the many things he did. And Thornhill uh, started every game, and he really started to come into his own the more the season went on, ended up with three interceptions. So that is a loss. Um, Sorensen, and also the Chiefs play a lot of three safety alignments. Um, so... That is a loss. Sorensen will play a little bit more. Armani Watts uh, was the guy who replaced him, and the coaching staff really uh, praised him. The other guy that they're going to use a lot, um, a guy who was their best corner last year, though that was – the corners did not play very well last year. Kendall Fuller is a cornerback, but they've been moving him around and actually playing some safety. So I think you're going to see a lot of – uh, three safety alignments. They like that. And you'll see some combination of Matthew will definitely be in, in there, although they sometimes, again, even use him at corner. But uh, Watts, uh, Fuller, uh, and your boy Soren said. But I, I think that uh, Fuller's going to be an interesting guy to watch to where where they play him and where they move him around. Yeah, I didn't know that you spent safety at all. Yeah. I just I remember Sorensen since that playoff game where they went big on Tennessee. Kelsey gets hurt. Their offense kind of stops after that with Alex Smith. Derrick Henry takes over, and it's just Sorensen getting crushed over and over again <laughs> on the edge. He's a little bit so, he, and he's had some moments. He had a, a great interception to seal the the uh, the win in Mexico over the Chargers. And he, you know, he is a a savvy guy. He's a good special teamer. Uh, Andy Reid loves him. Part of the reason I think he went to BYU, which mm-hmm. Andy Reid did, that might explain. But uh, yeah, he, he's probably not not the strongest. Uh, uh, part of that secondary. But then every time that I start to doubt him, again, he makes a big play like he did against the Chargers. I think he actually made, he had two interceptions, uh, one each in, in both the games against the Chargers. So he he has his moments too, but uh, safety, uh, yeah, that's that's going to be a potential um, uh, issue for, for a team that doesn't have many holes like the Chiefs. That could be one in this game or if they're uh, if they advance going forward as well. Yeah, and that, that's why I think of Sorensen also is like a folk hero for the Chiefs. You know, <laughs> like there's such a, I think 9% of it, you're like, I can't believe this guy still plays as much as he does. And then he comes down nowhere and makes a big play too. Totally, totally. And this is important though, the safety position, because it sounds like Will Fuller is going to play this week, but Will Fuller probably playing this week could also mean Will Fuller plays four snaps and then he's in the medical tent and right. then his helmet pads are off and then he's on the sideline, you know, sad like a puppy dog over there. And you have no <laughs> idea at all what happened when he's going to come back again too. But the Texans, they should be led more by their vertical passing attack. They haven't. They play more of a ball control style this year. And I don't know how much of it is because that's how Bill O'Brien wants to play with Watson as he keeps teaching him the offense and how much of it's just the fact that they have a bad defense. And so... Um, we want to limit how many drives our defense faces. We want to limit how many plays our defense faces. So we're going to play more of this conservative style uh, to save our defense, not necessarily because this is how we want to play football, but how we have to play football. But if Fuller does play, you know, whenever you have any safety questions at all, that's a big that's a big component of that where you have one guy turns the wrong way or they have three guys chase Fuller and then you have Kenny Stills open on the sideline. Um, it, it happens more in theory more on paper, more of the idea of it that actually happens on the field because Fuller has been hurt and the Texans have been a very conservative offense throughout the season as well, too. Totally. Uh, yeah, I'm curious. It's funny to hear the Texas perspective of Fuller because that's totally what I thought, too. Like, he 
His speed is amazing. I feel that every time I see him, he either catches a, a deep touchdown, drops a deep touchdown, or gets hurt. It's like one of those three options. Yeah, know? that's it's like a very <laughs> absurdist uh, three true outcomes sort of play. Right, right, right. Uh, yeah, and so the the Chiefs cornerback group, it's good. Charvarius Wards turns to like a legitimate, you know, Pro Bowl number one cornerback in Kansas City. They also play Breland, like you mentioned. They play Fuller too, and they play Fuller in the slot. I guess more often they play them outside too. So what type of coverages do the Chiefs usually play? Is this just man coverage with a lot of cover one with one safety deep, another robber there? Do they branch off in the zone? How do they tend to play? And are we expecting Ward versus DeAndre Hopkins as a like a kind of like a prime matchup like Cal Tredavious White versus Hopkins was last week? Yeah, that's a great question. I honestly don't know how they're going to play against Hopkins. I mean, he's one of the best guys, so I don't I don't know how they're going to scheme it up. But uh, one of the things that's been good about the Chiefs this year is they've been using more multiple coverages. Uh, last year, they were very basic in their schemes, and now they mix it up uh, and use a lot of different guys. Uh, some interesting notes, too, about the cornerbacks. Um, Claiborne has been, they haven't said what, but he's been missed a couple uh, practices this week for personal reasons. Uh, you know, it seems a little odd after after the bye. So I don't know if he's going to play. Breland has made some big plays. He made the pass breakup at the end of the Patriots game to win him, but he also is susceptible to a lot of penalties and can be exposed. Uh, Ward, you mentioned, has undrafted free agent, but has really come into his own and um, been very impressive. He's not a great interception guy. Actually, it turns out that he has... He kind of needs like LASIK surgery, like even with oh, really? vision isn't that great. <laughs> so that hampers him. But as you he should wear the, the goggles, what he should do. It's and it's a great look too. But you know, Pro Football Focus loves him, and it's been apparent that yeah, he's he's probably their best corner. Yeah, and Kansas City this year, they're third in DVO against wide receiver number one. They're seventh against wide receiver number two. They have some struggles against other wide receivers. They're okay against tight ends and running backs. I think this could be a good, a really big game for Duke Johnson in the passing game. Every single week we talk about the Texans, we say, Duke Johnson needs more carries. Why trade a third-round pick for this guy if you're not going to get more touches? Last week against Buffalo, he had three catches on three targets for 30 yards, including an enormous third and 18 conversion. He had, I think, three carries for 32 yards, including a, like a 19-yard run as well, too. And so I think this would be a really good game for Duke Johnson, the passing attack, against Kansas City linebackers, too. But we'll kind of have to wait and see. Um, the other thing that's interesting in their passing game is that they just threw the, they put Hopkins in the slot a lot in their first matchup, just threw him slants and little quick passes, especially against Tyron Matthew, because he was lined up in the slot that game like that, uh-huh. to create a lot of first downs. I think he had nine first downs, and he had like 10 catches for 54 yards. Uh, I wonder how much of that game plan they're going to try using again this week. And then also that repass, not necessarily repass option, but that um, that zone option passing attack where he fakes the handoff, he goes on the flat, they have the linebacker and spells. If he chases the quarterback, he dumps it off. If he runs with fouls, he throws it, he takes off and runs. Uh, since then, teams have just been running two linebackers out wide. They ignore the handoff, follow mm-hmm. that, and they've taken away completely. It hasn't worked since the Jacksonville game in London. So I wonder how prepared Kansas City is going to be for if they try to do that again. And I don't think they should try to do that again, no matter how well it worked their first matchup, because teams have really caught on to it. And that was the first time they've used it the entire year, kind of saving it for that Kansas City game too. 
Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. Uh, the Chiefs have been a little bit, they were a little bit vulnerable to the RPO early in the season. Uh, the Bears ran that a lot, and the Chiefs were really good against it. Of course, the Bears' RPO personnel from Trubisky and their skill guys is not nearly as good as the Texans. Uh, another thing that you mentioned, Duke Johnson, I'm curious to see whether they use Duke on more uh, screen passes, short passes. The Chiefs, Chiefs had real issues. So early in the season, we all know about the run defense problems. They they surfaced against the Texans. There was a point where they kind of were better at those. But they after that, they really struggled against the short passes. Green Bay killed them on those. Uh, the Chargers both times had a lot of success. Uh, both of these teams are really good at the screen games and have guys like Eckler and Aaron Jones. Uh, but if if I were an offensive coordinator, if I was the Texans' offense coordinator, um, I, I'd throw a lot of short passing, short passes. Again, the Chiefs' defense has been pretty solid, but the weakness of it are is the linebacking core and those edge guys and try and get um, the running backs, um, you know, matched up. Uh, against those outside linebackers. Yeah, and that's the that's the idea to to control the ball, have it forever, is to run the ball against Kansas City, attack and isolate their linebackers, mm-hmm. make big plays, you know, off play action from there too. And, then, and I also think they can, they should try to do the opposite, where they throw vertically to start off the game, get their safeties deep, and then create more space to attack their linebackers and attack the middle of the field. Would be the best way for Houston to to beat Kansas City and, and move the ball this game. Um, so the Chiefs, the last. The previous two seasons, they had the worst run defense in football. This year, it's 30th, so I want to say congratulations to the city of Kansas City. I'm very proud of them to no longer have the worst run defense anymore. Um, is it as bad as the numbers indicate, and why has it slightly improved this year? You know, um, it, it was very bad early on. It's, it has gotten better, um, and the reason it's gotten better, Naughty came into his own a little bit. He's a very good run stuffer big stout guy on the interior. They brought Reggie Ragland in. He, you know, Reggie Ragland was a guy who they thought wasn't going to make the team. He didn't play the first couple games, healthy scratch. And then he started, he actually started a few games and really uh, beginning with the Denver game uh, when Mahomes got hurt, he solidified uh, the the run game. So those, those are two. And also them just understanding the, the defense uh, more. So the run defense has gotten better. Um, you know, that it was terrible against the Titans, but since the, the Titans, you know, have the leading rusher in, in football, after that, the last six games that they've won, it's been pretty solid. Um, I still think that's a potential uh, uh, area the teams could expose, but it's certainly a lot better than it has been. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think in the run game, I do like Anthony Hitchens as a run defender, not as a pass defender. I think he's uh-huh. a very good in-the-box tackler. And we did our review show earlier this week with the guy I do the show uh-huh. with, and he laughed when I said Anthony Hitchens is a pretty good run tackler. So I want to hear from you: is is Anthony Hitchens a good run tackler or not? Yeah, you know, it's, they they gave him a very when they signed him, they gave him a very big contract, and I I have not been actually impressed with either his his skills against the pass or the run. He makes a lot of tackles, but I think they're pretty far down. So yeah, I I am not impressed. Uh, you know, I, I, I think that's an area that the the, the Texans can uh, potentially exploit. I think I still have that division round game last year against New England in my head, where he had like 15 tackles that game was really good around like the you know two yards past the line of scrimmage or so and didn't really allow any yards after the fact. Um, I'm excited to dive more into Kansas City defensive video for the preview I'm going to write for tomorrow. 
So I don't, I don't have any more questions for you regarding the Kansas City Chiefs. I think that is a really great cohesive picture of them. Do you have a pick at all for the game on Sunday that you want to make, or are you going to just kind of enjoy it from uh, from a, this perspective without putting your name on it at all? Oh, I'll put my name out there. You know, uh, I, I, I think the Chiefs – are, are the better team. I think it's so tough to beat a team uh, twice during a season. And I think that the Chiefs are also a much better team and much healthier team than when they last played in, in October. So I think the Chiefs win. But the, the Vegas line has been hovering around 10 points, which I think is a large uh, margin. Uh, I mean, I was so impressed with Deshaun Watson, and I don't think he goes down without a fight. Uh, when no no deficit, whether it's 17 to three, like it was in the earlier match against the the Chiefs, or 16 nothing against the Bills, is is insurmountable for him. So I think he he uh, I think he fights through. I think it's a five point win uh, by the Chiefs. Interesting. Yeah, I think what's gonna I think Kansas City's gonna go up big. Houston's gonna start off slow throughout this year. They As have, they often they do. Have three yeah. points on their, or they have ten points right. on opening drive. The first time they scored a touchdown on the first drive was AJ McCarron in week 17. And they've, you know, they have games that get shot by Buffalo in the first half. They've been consistently down the first half too. And against Kansas City, they really don't have the opportunity to do that. So I think Kansas City's gonna go up fairly big, and then Houston's gonna go more vertical, and they're gonna get some points in the second half and make it look closer than it was. Uh, I actually have Kansas City winning 37-29. I think Houston covers the line, but I think it's gonna be a, a more of a, a bigger loss than what ends up happening after the fact. Gotcha. I was surprised by like 10 points is a pretty big margin mm-hmm. for Vegas. I was surprised the line is that that high. Uh, yeah, for sure. But I do like the Chiefs chances. But again, Deshaun Watson, man, I wouldn't put anything past that guy. So, yeah. And I guess I'll, I'll check real fast and see if we had any listener questions for you as we talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, the first question I had here was from at Steph Stradley. She asked, is it true Chiefs fans believe Mayo is a food group? This is what Raiders fans have told her. Has believe, and I'm sorry, it cut out for just a second. Okay. Believe, what is a food group? Uh, is mayonnaise a food group? Because <laughs> well, Raiders Kansas fans have City, told her right, this. Right. Kansas City is actually considered a, a vegetable to be <laughs> to go along with. Uh, it's as healthy as, as we get. So, I love that. Uh, another question is from at Texans underscore thoughts. They ask, they don't have their own version of the unheralded, underappreciated Jacob Martin, do they? Because if so, we're all screwed. And Jacob Martin's a, a pass rusher who the Texans trade for Clowney, who's had sacks in the spare mouth snaps he's played. So do the Chiefs have some sort of under-the-radar pass rusher Texans fans should look out for? Um, they really don't. I mean, the pass rush comes from the the factor, you know, the guys we mentioned, Chris Jones, um, uh, Clark, uh, and even Suggs. And obviously those guys are not um, under the radar, you know, and I would, unfortunately the under the radar guy, I think it's your boy Sorensen in the back end, not a guy who's going to bring pressure. So, okay, that works out. And the last question we had here was from at Huggy bear. And he asked, is there any purpose in life without establishing the run, which has been kind of a joke for <laughs> us Texans fans throughout the season where they give the ball to Carlos Hyde 25 times or 30 times. And then Watson has 20 pass attempts when, you have a MVP level quarter, quarterback. It should be the opposite way. And you have a, a Chiefs offense that understands that you throw the ball, you get light boxes, and he runs from there. So is life meaningful, meaning, meaningless without any purpose being uh, covering the Kansas City Chiefs and being a Chiefs fan without establishing the run? 
Yeah, I, I don't think when you when you think when you have Patrick Mahomes as the quarterback, I think it gives everything meaning. But, you know, it's, it's funny about that to hear that about Hyde because he has had a really good year and he had, you know, he had a great uh, game that first. He was as responsible as anyone for the, the Texans win. And he was running hard like a guy who had something to prove after getting traded away from the Chiefs. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a Carlos Hyde revenge game, a Tyron <laughs> Matthew revenge game. Uh, I don't know if there's any other any other swapping at all. It's a shame Martinez Rankin isn't playing. I really did love him out of college, and I hope he has a great career there. Yeah, I'm trying to think who else. There are, there are some other guys. Fulton was on the Chiefs for a little bit, but I think he ba- bounced around. Um, yeah, yeah, I forgot sure. about Fulton. They signed him from there. Gave him like you know $7 million a year to leave Kansas City. Kind of like the Jeff Allen signing where uh, right. every, every guard is worse outside Kansas City than they are there. Except for Mitch Morris, who's been very good in Hudson, of course. And uh, there is uh, the coaching staff, Roby Cronell. So uh, yeah, that's right, Tim. Former Chiefs uh, head coach. So well, great. Well, thanks for being on the show tonight, Jeff. Is there anywhere we can catch your podcast? Follow you on Twitter, uh, and also, I guess, when do you have any content coming out that we can consume? Either a game preview or a game review that we can all listen to. Yeah. Well. Well. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So it's believe in Chiefs. B L E A V. Uh, in Chiefs, and you can find it in all the places that you can get your podcasts. It's, it's me and Joe Valerio, a former Chiefs offensive lineman who used to catch touchdown passes from Joe Montana. He was known <laughs> on the, the tackle eligible plays. So we did our, our preview is up now. Uh, we we did it uh, posted yesterday. Uh, and then I also write uh, for Forbes.com. I cover the Chiefs. Uh, so check out my stories there. So Awesome. Yeah, I'll make sure to give that listen whenever I I'm going to go walk the dog tomorrow morning. (laughs) Sounds good, man. Well, great. Well, well, thanks for being on tonight, Jeff. Hey, this is a blast, man. Awesome. Well, again, my name is Matt Weston. Thank you for listening to Bell Radio. We'll be back on Sunday night, maybe Monday night, to record the Chiefs. And until next time, thank you for being on tonight, Jeff.